0: Welcome to Utilizing Tech, the podcast about emerging technology from Gestalt IT. This season of Utilizing Tech focuses on edge computing, which demands a new approach to compute, storage, networking, and more. I'm your host, Stephen Foskett, organizer of Tech Field Day and publisher of Gestalt IT. Joining me today as my co-host is Alistair Cook. Welcome Al.
1: Hi Stephen, nice to be back
0: talking to you today. It is great having you from the other side of the world. Now, we both uh, got into IT a while ago, and we've both seen quite a lot of water go under that bridge. Um, it's interesting, Edge is quite a bit different from data center or cloud IT, don't you think?
1: I think it draws from both of them, and that it is definitely, you, you can't just transplant from either of those locations and expect everything to work the same at the edge. Uh, but fundamentally, we, we come back to what is the business problem you're trying to solve? and how can we do that with the least effort and least risk? And
0: yet some things in enterprise tech, some of the data center concepts that you and I have spent our whole career working on things like high availability and continuous availability, those, you know, that's a little bit more difficult to accomplish. And some people I think are maybe throwing up their hands and saying, I'm not sure that we can have this maybe in edge environments. We need to make things disposable and um, you know, run it on a single node instead of multi-node, or things like that. Um, it's a it's a real challenge.
1: Yeah, I think there's a mix in the in here. Is there are some very cost conscious places where there really isn't valuable data or services that are really critical. Where an outage of five minutes, an hour, a week um, is inconvenient, but it's not business critical. But I think there are some use some edge use cases where that does become really critical. Um, Imagine uh, you you have an outage at at your your favorite uh, gas station and uh, you you can't fill up for a week. Uh, That seems like a problem. I mean, even not being able to get service for five minutes is probably going to lead customers to go to a different station. And so there can be some business impact, even at the places that we think of as being relatively low cost, low valuable data. But actually the service delivery there is important.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, I need my Slurpee and my hot dog too. I mean, don't forget that. Um, but one of the things that occurs to me is that one of the reasons that we don't have some of these things, I think people would want high availability at the edge. I think it's just too hard to achieve in some cases. It takes too much hardware, too much software, too much cost, and I think that that's the reason that some people aren't implementing it. But, but that's what we're going to talk about today on uh, on utilizing edge. Our guest today is uh, an old friend of mine, Bruce Kornfeld, who is uh, Chief Marketing and Product Officer at Store Magic. And one of the things about Store Magic is that they're trying to tackle this high availability question at the edge. So, welcome to the show, Bruce.
2: Thanks, Stevens. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to a lively chat.
0: Well, it's always a lively chat with you. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, it, I am really interested in diving into this because. Um, yeah. Like I said, one of the challenges for high availability is the idea that you need to have basically redundant hardware, redu- you know, and, and redundant hardware is expensive. So if, if, if I tell you, you need to have three nodes instead of two, or if I tell you, you need to buy 33% more storage, 33% more memory, 33% more everything, that's a huge problem when it's multiplied by a 1000 nodes, Right.
2: Yeah, listen at Store Magic, this is, you know, we talk to customers about this all the time. And um a lot of times they just cannot cost justify the extra hardware and software needed to achieve the high availability. And they and they and they work with their organizations to say, sorry, you know what? We can't, you know, the budget isn't there. So we're gonna have a single node. We're gonna have a single server. And if if that thing goes down, here's the impact. There's gonna be downtime for Four hours a day, a couple of days. Don't know, but um, there are there are cases that have to go that route. But we're seeing a lot of cases the other way that, because technology is becoming less expensive, there are ways of of achieving both.
1: I think there's there's a really interesting piece also around efficient use of the storage because there are a few solutions around that that do this cluster of servers and and turning local storage into shared storage, which is the most cost effective way of doing this. Uh, but some of them put quite a lot of overhead. And of course the same story as, as having that extra third node, having an extra 20% of resources in every server that you've got at 10,000 sites that gets to be really expensive. So I think there's a need for solutions that actually fit to the small scale.
2: Yeah, typically what we're seeing is that a lot of IT professionals are um, they're used to what they've what they've worked on in the past, which is typically they built a big data center or a small data center that has dozens, hundreds, thousands of servers and lots of storage. And when you and the the inclination is let's just do the same thing at the edge Um, and that and that's a big problem um, because. Typically, you need at least three servers, and yeah the you know using the internal storage, that's the whole software defined storage thing, and there's a lot of solutions for that out there, and they all do it fine, and they all provide the high availability, but typically it requires at least three, sometimes four, in order to ensure that a, that that a node can go down so um you know a lot of times it comes down to the cost equation um and the management bit because you know typically these data center designed software defined storage hci use the flavor of word that you want but they're designed for big enterprise and the edge presents a lot of a lot of challenges that make those solutions hard to fit and mostly it's mostly it's cost i mean it really comes down to cost
0: Yeah, that's my feeling too. It really is comes down to cost because, you know, I mean, a lot of people listening here, you might not be storage nerds. I'm a storage nerd. But um, if I say RAID to you, the first thing you're probably thinking of is waste, that that's extremely expensive, extreme, you know, oh, I got to buy twice as much. I got to buy three times as much. Uh, You know, if I say high availability, the first thing you're going to think of is waste. Oh, I got to buy multiple systems. I got to buy multiple servers. I got to ship them all out there. I got to power them. I got to keep them running and they're not doing anything. You know, why, why do I have to have all this wasted, you know, idle hardware out there just in case something goes wrong? And honestly, I, I, as much as it pains me as a data center guy to say this, you're not wrong about that. RAID is overhead. It is waste. High availability, uh, you know, having an extra system out there. It absolutely is. And you need to think about that. You need to think about the cost and you need to think about the benefit of deploying this stuff and whether it's worth it, um,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, the way, um, completely agree. And it, it, a lot of customers still, they cost justify it. It makes sense for their business to have the rate of I mean, rate is very, very common as you know, but uh, you know, the good news there is the cost of the physical storage has come down so much that, yep, instead of, you know, three drives, we're gonna have to buy four or five. Um, but that cost isn't a major one. It becomes more significant when you're talking about another whole node, a whole other server with five drives in it, et cetera. Um, the technology that you know, that we deliver that helps on this case is um, to allow for a two-node solution instead of three. Um, you know, most everyone else requires three, and that's that's a, that's a huge cost when you have dozens, hundreds, or thousands of sites. Um, and the technology is just, it, it's, sim- it's, it's kind of simple. Al, you and I have talked about in the past, but it's, it's a remote witness. Um, and a lot of, because you still need three nodes in order to have a proper HA solution. And that, I think that's a, um, you know, we, I don't think the topic of this is to argue that down to the bottom, but I'm pretty sure that most um, IT, po- IT people would agree that you need three to have a very highly available cluster or quorum.
0: So that's, I think, the the key that, again, to the IT audience that we have, I think that it's important to understand, yes, um, if you have a cluster of, well, if you have a cluster of one node, then you don't have a cluster, I guess. You have a node, and if it goes down, it goes down. If you have a cluster of two nodes, and you run everything on one of them, and if it dies, then it runs on the other one, that's all well and good. But it's really hard to make that highly available, because what happens if you snip The connection between those two nodes and both of them think that they are the the node. That's when things go wrong. And that's what Bruce is talking about here. The reason that we say, we IT people always say you need three nodes is exactly that. They call it a split brain or something like that, where essentially uh, you've got two nodes that used to be coordinating and now are no longer coordinating. And both of them are like, I'm in charge here, you know, uh, Alexander Higg and they're all you know running off saying, you know hey hey listen to me, I'm doing my thing uh, I'm, I'm making the decisions and that's a big problem because things can get corrupted. Uh, you can have uh, torn uh, database accesses. for example, you can have a client that's talking to this one and thinks that he's just charged my slurpy and this other one is like, nope no slurpy here and suddenly you're losing money. It's a huge problem and that's why most cases you can't have a two node cluster. you need a three node cluster. And again, that's the thing that Storm Magic is focused on. That's the thing that a lot of companies are focused on, trying to figure out how can we not have to have three nodes.
2: But yeah, there are technologies in order to do that without putting that third node on every single site. And that's where, um, you know, that's where we've architected our our software defined storage solution has been architected for this environment for the edge, in that we we designed it so you don't need that third node on site. You can have the third node in the cloud. You can have the third node in your data center and the way that it basically works is it's a, it's a simple little VM that acts as the third node for lots of sites up up to a thousand sites for one little VM. So that acts as a node for quorum for up to a thousand clusters and that, and that's simply how we do it. And it is pretty amazing what we hear from customers because they you know, when they hear about our solution, they're blown away that oh, so I can do this with two. It's reliable. I do get the real HA with proper quorum. I just don't have to invest in that in that third physical that third physical server. And that and that and that's pretty much the way it works.
1: I think there's a, another aspect to that that I really want to highlight is the the one to many relationship between the central resource and the clusters, because. A lot of the data center solutions that have been adapted to remote office, branch office use case, uh, you have one-to-one kind of mappings and that works just fine if you've got half a dozen or a dozen sites, but when you're getting to hundreds and thousands of sites, that mapping of a a witness that's a one-to-many becomes absolutely crucial. I don't want to have to run 10,000 witness VMs in my data center because I've got 10,000 sites. I'd rather only be running 15, 20 of them. Uh, Ideally, I'd I'd find preferably a cloud solution for running those, so I don't even have to have them in my data center. So there's a whole element around the manageability for large numbers of clusters that becomes very different to what data center infrastructure and and robo kind of use cases are used to when you come out to that vast scale of edge. And that's that's where I see some of the, the differences between enterprise technology and cloud technology kind of start to play into this discussion of what's what's the right thing for your edge.
2: Yeah, and if, you know if you think about, I mean I completely agree, Al, if you think about it, the way that systems have been designed for years and years and years have been for data center and cloud that's where the money's been <laughs> that's where vendors go let's go get as much market share as we can selling to cloud and large data center and the technologies that exist are awesome and they work great but they're you know, they're dependent on either a three node or they you know, some of them do have witnesses but these witnesses are in the data path and that's the technical thing i wanted to mention here is that the the core of the reason why we're different is that we we're proud to say that we don't do network rate or erasure coding, however you want to you know, talk, there's different ways of doing it, but these data center class, cloud class storage and HCI solutions, they scale across hundreds of nodes. So they have this complicated erasure coding that works for the data center. Once you try to do that at the edge and then do a remote witness, you can, but that, re- that remote witness is still in the data path. So now you're sending all of your local IOs, all of your credit card transactions, all of the information from the wind farm, whatever it is, it's not just staying local, it's also having to go to the cloud and back. So that's just not cost-inducing, cost, per, cost inducing, I don't know if that's the right word, cost-enabling cost, <laughs> cost enabling either, right? So um, with the way that we do things, it's a simple synchronous mirror locally, so the data is really fast, really local, and then the ro- remote witness is just a heartbeat, right? We're just checking, are you alive are you alive are you alive and if we don't get an answer then then we know how to coordinate things from the cloud that's that that's you know simply put that's how we do it
0: there's another aspect to this too and i think that um again a lot of solutions that are kind of brought from the data center to the to the edge are kind of over um <laughs> they're over engineered uh there's a lot more hardware in there Um, You know, my first uh, Edge environment that I was exposed to was a retailer, and they had a fiber channel SAN with a a fiber channel switch with a multi-controller storage array, and and they put these in retail stores. And um, it was, let's say, fairly expensive. Um, As you've heard, if you've been listening to Utilizing Edge this whole season, and if you tuned in for Edge Field Day, a lot of companies are, well, let's say they're not doing that. Um, What they're doing instead is they're using software, what's called software-defined, basically software uh, running on commodity hardware. Um, You heard Bruce just mention Um, hyper-converged. The idea is that instead of having specialized hardware to do things like controlling storage devices, uh, you have software that does it on standard PC stuff. Uh, we've talked about our Intel NUX quite a lot, but of course, there's a lot of other uh, x86 type uh, and, and ARM type PC stuff that's that's deployed out there. And in all these cases, essentially, what the 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 result is that you have an inexpensive piece of hardware that you're deploying out there. And in some ways, this makes it easier to deploy um, redundant. Uh, hardware, because essentially, if, if you're deploying a uh, a redundant device that costs fifty thousand dollars, well, then that's a big expense. But if you're defi- if it's a five hundred dollar device, then it's a lot less of an expense. Now, it's still an expense because you may have to buy a thousand of them, but it's not quite so bad. And I think that that's another aspect here. And it, most of the products that we're looking at here are either software or incredibly inexpensive hardware.
2: Yeah, um I completely agree and I would say that um you know this may not be unanimous agreement across the table here but I would say for edge use cases and you know I'm thinking small sites this isn't hundreds this is this is a small site they've they've got 10 20 VMs they need to run um the days of the three tier architecture are gone like they're not going to buy a couple of servers and fiber channel and an external san I mean believe it or not we we still see customers running in that way. And when we show them, guess what? You can take a couple of servers. These days, You know, I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not an investor either way, but I'm hearing AMD's doing quite a good job with performance these days, but it doesn't matter, Intel or AMD. Take two servers, super high powered. you can get plenty of storage in them. You don't need the expense of that third thing, that SAN, um, to manage. To pay for. And by the way, it's still a single point of failure, right? You, right? you still have three, yeah, you have two servers and you have this thing, it can still fail. And then you know, both servers are gone, right? So um, I'm sitting, you know, the long-winded way kind of to say that hyper what you're talking about, software-defined, two servers, use the internal storage, that's, that is here today. They're, it's not everywhere at the edge, but it's, it's definitely heading in that direction.
1: So Bruce, you talked about edge sites that have uh, half a dozen, a dozen virtual machines. Uh, What do you see in those virtual machines? Because we we hear a lot of noise from uh, everything's containers in Kubernetes. Part of the world, but I suspect your experience of what a lot of customers are running at the edge is not all the latest and greatest. Because although the future's here, it's not evenly distributed. Are you seeing customers that that just want to run containers that are that are looking at um, highly available solutions, or are you seeing a, a much what I'm expecting is a much more mixed population of applications at the edge?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a really that's a really good question, Al. So yeah, so I say this. Um, primarily what we still see is it's a it's a virtualization world at the edge um hypervisors are everywhere at the edge it's it's mostly um it's I was going to say microsoft it's mostly vmware it's microsoft is doing a great job but it's some vm uh, it's some microsoft and then kvm is 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 making a play right there are some some in users that are that are technical enough happy with open source and they'll go with Linux KVM build out there, but containers are not mainstream at the edge yet, but we definitely are talking to a lot of customers about it because as as you both know, containers are very popular in the cloud and in the data center. So guess what? Software developers, they, they don't think about the infrastructure at the edge. All they know is the next retail application is gonna be a container, right? So the IT folks, the infrastructure team, That's building the next generation edge they know that they have to be ready for containers and in fact um, we do have customers doing it today and typically the way we see it running today is they're simply running containers inside of a vm and that's that's perfectly fine way to do it Um, the purists will say it's not it's not the best way and long term everything should be containers so you don't have the extra layer of the of the hypervisor we'll get there eventually but for now, and I would say at least the next five years, you're going to see you, you're going to see a mix of both.
0: And we're definitely going to see more and more containers. I, I think. I mean, anyone who's who's actually experienced this, I mean, I, from my perspective, um, whether it's on prem, cloud, or edge, uh, I don't want to run things not in containers because of the benefits that containers give you in terms of of being able to create the exact correct software environment. For whatever the application is, and I and, and, and it's known good. Um, I'm I'm looking at you, Python. I'm looking at you. Uh, you know, everything that I run is I, I convert it into a container, and I'm seeing the same with uh, you know at the edge with Kubernetes. I mean, we talk with uh, with Brian and with some of the other companies about this as well. Um, you know, Kubernetes gives us a common uh, a common language, a common uh, concept for deploying applications, whether they're on-prem in the cloud or at the edge. So Kubernetes is going to be at the edge, but it's not going to be used at the edge the way it's used in the cloud. It's going to be used at the edge as more of a deployment and a language for applications, in my opinion. Uh, you, you you think so, Al?
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. So. Fundamentally, I see Kubernetes uh, or containerization, not necessarily Kubernetes. I have mixed feelings about the overhead of running Kubernetes at each site. Uh, But definitely containers is the the mechanism for software distribution. I think that's the thing that Docker got really right with containers. And uh, now as I'm building applications, I'm choosing to package them as, as Docker containers. And I find that so much easier than having to install dependencies on every server where my application needs to run. So I think yeah, increasingly as new applications are being built, they're being built in containers. But returning to Bruce's point, there is always a really long tail of applications that are built for containers. And until there's a mass extinction event that cuts off that long tail, we're going to see them. Um, we may see a decrease as the cost for running them continues to increase and, and then containers become more cost-effective. And I think I'd, I'd love to see um, more of these edge platforms doing more integrated containers. And last time I talked with Bruce was for the GigaOM report on uh, hyperconverged infrastructure. And uh, they were in the, the radar for edge hyperconverged infrastructure. And there was sort of a, a separation between VM-focused and container-focused application um, vendors in there and uh, it was an interesting thought about which is best for which use case.
2: Yeah, the other thing I'd say uh, about containers, if you take this another step, is um, you know, we talked about container usage for cloud and data center, and it's it's gonna make its way to the edge eventually. Um, think about though, the edge isn't everything, obviously. there's another There's another group we haven't even talked about today, which is, small businesses small and medium business they might have one site they might have five Um, they have the same pain points that we've been talking about today they want high availability they want to be able to run all of their local apps with 100 uptime they don't have budgets they don't have it people at their locations Um, containers are probably a long way away for them right because they just don't have the skill set to do it they don't have an it team in the you know up in a data center somewhere pushing containers to them so just another example that i probably see the container world it's going to take a while to be pervasive everywhere particularly in the smb world that's probably going to be even longer i would think
0: yeah and and particularly in the edge world i'll point out too because that's the thing as long as you need one virtual machine then you need a hypervisor at the edge And there are so many applications, just like we saw in the VMware space in the data center. One of the superpowers that VMware brought and now modern hyperconverged and other virtualization platforms bring is the ability to basically take that old thing and run it on this new thing. And and that's even more true in the edge, where you may have an application that not only is it not containerized, it's not really intended to be run on a virtual machine, but you can run it on a virtual machine because it does right. it's none the wiser. And so I feel like that's actually a reason that we're gonna need virtualization at the edge, even though we're using containerization for more modern apps.
2: Yep, completely agree. Completely agree. Yeah, it's one thing that you know you mentioned it just yeah, you know, something just jumped into my head about using existing, using existing infrastructure. And that, and that's another thing that we see is edge. I'll just say it. Edge is cheap, right? They, they, they can't afford an extra 500 bucks, let alone $2,000 per site because it adds up fast. So a lot of times when they're making this HA decision, can I afford it? Can I afford it? The thought process has always been, okay, I got a single server and I can think of a lot of customers that we've had this conversation with I've got a single server. Can I afford to go to three? That's a big, that's a big jump. Can I even afford to go to two? That's a big jump. Um, uh, you know, one of the things that, that we do because we're, um, because of the, the way we do things synchronous mirror, it's not, it's not erasure coding. We're allowing customers to cluster different types of servers, different brands, different models, different ages. It, it, it doesn't matter as long as they can run the same version of the hypervisor. So there's another example of keeping customer costs down is they can they can leave their server in production, roll a new one in, cluster them together and away they go. They've added HA for the cost of one server instead of two or three. So that's another, another little uh, benefit of going with a two node HA solution at the edge.
1: So you might see that fit with budget cycles where one of the two nodes gets replaced every two years or three years, right. and, exactly. and you can just do this rolling thing rather than having to do the, the whole bulk up update. And of course you're then doing it as a failover between two nodes, you know, failover from, from the oldest node to the newest node, retire the old one, put in a, a new newest node. Uh, yep. that could be very cost effective for spreading that, so that cost over the years particularly here in New Zealand, where uh, we like a, a low-cost solution, and so we'll retain <laughs> servers for five to seven years, particularly in, in yeah. the provinces where I am. Yeah,
0: yeah, we may actually see a situation, now to that point where companies are basically going to use the stuff until it falls over, and then dispose of it. And in a situation like that, you're almost guaranteed not not to have the same hardware on both nodes, because it's almost impossible to imagine a situation where five years from now, you're gonna be able to buy the same node. Uh, You know, something's gonna be different.
1: Now you are heading towards the cloud economics of run it it (laughs) until it fails and and replace it when it fails, or maybe a little ahead because you probably want to have uh, continuous availability through that failure.
0: Are you seeing that though, Bruce? That kind of situation where companies are basically running it until it falls over um, and fails over, and then replacing it?
2: Yeah, we yeah we do see some of it. I would say it's more on the smaller company side. Um, our large customers that have thousands of sites they have they have pretty tight protocols, but I would say four years, five years is pretty common um, in those environments, even. But I would say yeah, we do we do have customers that get every Every day that they can out of a server, yeah. So you see, you know, you see some out there for six or seven, but I'd say for the big ones, it's probably not gonna. You're not gonna see it go past five. That's what I've seen.
1: As we're heading towards the close, I want to really bring up the idea that it continues to be build the right solution for the problems that you have. And so this idea of having a, a highly available solution as being really cost effective, just adds another tool you can use to solve the problems for the organization with the right piece of technology. Sometimes the right technology is a single node that will will fail and will, will have an extended outage because that fits the business risk. Sometimes that risk is unacceptable and so you need a multi-node cluster, maybe two nodes. Sometimes you need something bigger the edge isn't just a single solution for a single problem and uh, i think knowing the possible solutions is really important. bruce have you got anything to to bring this one home as well?
2: yeah no i would just say first of all thanks for thanks for including me in this in this conversation as you can tell like i'm 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 quite passionate about this this topic particularly for edge um i see nothing but growth of edge computing. um i would even go so far as to say that we're starting to see cloud applications and cloud decisions coming back to edge because they're realizing the cloud is very, very expensive. Um, So like I see this problem getting worse, it's getting bigger. There's gonna be more customers, more opportunity to think about how do I run applications locally at the least cost with high availability. So I love talking about this stuff. I'm glad you brought me on here. we will be um, hopefully continuing this conversation at Edge Field Day coming up in July, which we're excited about. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. So thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, well, it's great to have you. And um, I, I have to say too, one of the I think it's interesting, you know, in the discussions that we've been having here on utilizing Edge, as well as Edge Field Day, and of course the the roundtable discussions that we've done as well on on this topic. It occurs to me that Edge is sort of a forcing function for us to reevaluate some of the decisions we've made, just like cloud was, just like the you know the, the intense focus on uh, automation and um, everything as code in the cloud forced us to reevaluate a lot of the things that we were doing in the data center. Uh, Edge is forcing us to reevaluate a lot of the decisions that we might make. And I think that we're coming up to a much more interesting solution and one that they you know, So far, a lot of technologies are kind of trickling into the edge from cloud and from on-prem data center. But I think uh, over time, some of the lessons that we're going to be learning here are going to be trickling right back out. And we may be starting to say, you know, maybe we shouldn't uh, do this or do that. You know, maybe we shouldn't invest in this, you know, high-end piece of hardware. We can do it in software. I mean, that's kind of one of the messages of cloud as well. So it it really is an interesting conversation. And I really appreciate you uh, hopping in here, uh, Bruce. Yeah. Uh, before we go, um, where can we connect with you and continue this conversation?
2: Well, I love to chat with you, Stephen and Al, anybody in the, anyone in the industry. We will be attending uh, Edge Field Day where it's going to be a nice open format broadcast live. So we hope that we can take questions from the attendees in the room plus anyone else listening. So let's have some fun with Edge Field Day in a couple of couple weeks, couple of months, six weeks, something like that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: awesome. Uh, Al, uh, how, about, how about you? Uh, where, where, where can people connect with you?
1: You can find me online as demitas.nz, both on Twitter and also as demitas.co.nz on uh, on the intertubes. I'm gonna be at VMware Explorer in Las Vegas later in the year. And if you're in Europe, you can catch me at VMware Explorer in Europe much later in the year too.
0: And as for me, of course, you can find me here on, at Gestalt IT. Uh, you'll find me at Edgefield A. Uh, Also, uh, of course, we do have our our, uh, Tuesday uh, On-Premise IT podcast as well as our Wednesday uh, news rundown. So thank you for tuning in for Utilizing Edge, part of the Utilizing Tech podcast series. If you enjoyed this discussion, uh, please give us a subscription. Uh, You'll find us in all your favorite podcast applications. And uh, maybe check out gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. But uh, if you are interested in show notes, and we've been doing a lot more expansive show notes for this season, head over to utilizingtech.com. You'll also find us on Twitter and Mastodon at Utilizing Tech. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.